Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Happy Thursday. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. And if you're watching us on YouTube, and you should be, we're joined by a special guest. He's right there on your screen. He's Corey Pronman from The Athletic, the authority on hockey prospects. And as Blackhawks observers, that's really all we have to talk about for the next few years. So, Corey, I hope we do a good job on this one because we're going to be calling you often. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to it. So I, you've published a bunch of lists lately, which are our favorite things. They're just okay. they're great uh, topic generators. They're great conversation pieces. And I, just in general, before we like start to get to the rankings and everything, I, I just kind of want to get your take on the direction of the Hawks um, since the former GM. We're not allowed to say his name on the podcast, but because you're a guest, I have to say Stan Bowman. I'll throw another dollar in the jar, fellas. I'm sorry. Uh, since <laughs> his departure and, and since uh, Kyle Davidson's taken over, what have you thought of what the Blackhawks have done in that in that short time? Well, I mean, they're obviously tearing it down to the root and, and building for the long term. I and mean, you look at how many draft picks they acquired in, the, in this past draft. Uh, you look at uh, moving on from even you know Kirby Doc, who was a 20-year-old center, Obviously, didn't have a great year. I don't think it was unreasonable for them to to move on from him. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're clearly this is going to be a long, painful process. You look at say how long it's taken in say Detroit to kind of turn around that franchise. There were a lot of really tough years, you, and then you have to be successful on the draft, and they still haven't made the playoffs yet because of how long that process can take. Uh, but that looks like it's coming up for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I mean, I, when I was out at the Linka Gretzky Cup, a U18 tournament in the World Juniors, you, you, you saw Kyle Davidson out there scouting the entire tournaments because th- you know that's what the Chicago Blackhawks are right now. They're all invested in the, in the draft and the amateur process at the moment, and that's going to be their, their, the main way they're going to you know, at least attempt to turn around the organization. Um, so you know that this most recent draft class and the upcoming draft classes are going to be critical if they hope to become a playoff team again sometime in the next 10 years hopefully shorter than that <laughs> well, oh, that's man. how long rebuilds take i mean yeah. you, i mean the chicago fans can remember the last rebuild like you know everyone remembers the patrick king pick and the jonathan taste pick but they skim over the jack skilly pick a little bit or <laughs> or you know the cam barker pick you know sometimes it, it's it's really difficult to build through the draft yeah well, it's those late round picks that that helped to bail them out in some of those years. Oh, but, yeah. right, you know, getting Duncan Keith in the second round and, and and so many others. But I just I just mean like the draft can be difficult, and there's and there's no, you know, I would say most teams kind of hope things happen within five to eight years when you're at this low a point. But in, in Chicago, might be in a little bit more of a privileged situation because they can get the premium free agents uh, when it's time. But but we'll see. That's 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 probably a realistic time frame. So in your um... You know, you do the all 32 teams in the NHL. You do the prospect system rankings Um, from last year to this year. The Blackhawks jumped from 23rd to 12th. And that was all all the while graduating uh, Alex DeBrinket, I believe, out of the rankings and then trading Kirby Doc. So when you look at what they've done, uh, the guys that they've brought in from last year to this year and the guys that they've lost, um, is 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 that like to to move up more than 10 spots in a ranking is that very uh do you see that often in when you go through these lists in in your own evaluations do you often see teams jump 10 spots just from one year to the other while losing someone who was at the top of their rankings the year before right to bring it didn't graduate but they did lose kirby dog okay. who was really highly ranked the, the year prior after that you know which was at least a year ago we've seen as a very promising start of his nhl career um, the only other team that jumped that much was Seattle, which was kind of a uniquely positioned where they only had one draft class and then they had a much larger second draft class. You usually see about one or two of those teams kind of have that kind of big delta. And there's usually something quite stark for that, some major graduations or major draft classes. In this case, it was Chicago having three first-round picks, um, many second and third-round picks. The depth of this organization is very long. Probably one of the, you know, I probably don't have as so many players – with the super high grades on them and some of the other organizations. But in terms of guys, I think are legitimate NHL prospects is one of the longest depth charts in the NHL currently. Um, yeah. Well, largely because of just how many draft picks they had in the most, this most recent draft class. 
And I think also a part of it was just how strong Lucas Reichel was in the American League last year. You know, he was a teenager. He was scored a point-per-game raid. He looks like he was a play driver already versus, versus men, as he was obviously in men versus men in Germany. Uh, he's gone to two world championships where he sh- showed success at that level. Uh, looks like a very well-rounded uh, forward prospect who I think could play a very important role for Chicago in the very near future. That's the hope. <clears throat> just to kind of give us some context, we, we, you know, we, we – kind of dissected your list last week when it came out for the top, you know, the top players under 23 besides being under 23, what are the kind of criteria you look at as far as like, why is this guy number four and this guy number eight and stuff like, like what kind of decision-making goes in, into creating these lists? Well, you're, it's about projects about who you think is going to have the best pro career. So it's not just about what they accomplish at their individual level. It's like Sam Renzel hasn't really accomplished that much but he was a first-round pick because he has a rare uh, toolkit. Six-four defenseman who can skate like him and have offensive skill are are not easy to find. Uh, Same thing could be said for Colton Dock. Same thing could be said for Nolan Allen, Alex Vlasic, guys who may not have gaudy numbers, but their toolkits are are really appealing. Uh, Frank Nazar is a guy who, on the other hand, has some of the big numbers and may not be the biggest guy, but he's got you know tremendous skating ability and he competes really hard. Kevin Korczynski also has the toolkit and the numbers, so that's why I think those those three guys. What what are, I think you can argue those. I think Reichel. I think I I would challenge someone if they didn't have him as the as the top prospect in Chicago right now. But I think you could argue Frank Nazar, Kevin Korczynski, in, in in any order. I think you know wouldn't surprise me in Chicago if they had him really close on their on on their list. But I think those two guys have both the tools and the production, and I think those. Things you know, usually bode well for pro projections. Let's start with Lucas Reichel. That's a guy who uh, we all expect will, if he doesn't play all 82 in Chicago next year, will play the bulk of the games in Chicago. Uh, had a pretty limited picture of him in the NHL. I think he ended up with what one? I think it was one assist. Um, and, yeah. And there weren't really. He didn't stand out a lot at the NHL level, but he did sure. dominate in the American Hockey League, which gives a lot of, we've talked about this a lot, the fact that he's able to go out there against men and produce is a good sign. We're sort of trying to figure out where does Lucas Reichel project on a on a playoff team, right? Are we looking at a number two center? Are we looking at, uh, you know, maybe a, a, an average two center or an elite three? Where do you sort of see Lucas Reichel, if he maxes out, um, you know, where, where could we expect him to be in terms of his impact on a competitor? Right. You know, is it for sure that he's even going to be a center in it's the not. NHL? No, it's yeah. not. It's not for sure. I think they're going to give him every opportunity like they did with Doc to prove that he's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think Cause, it cause is not when for I, whenever sure. I, whenever I've watched him coming up, he's mostly played wing. And I, I can see, like I said, he's such a great player. He skates well. He competes well. Can I see it working down the middle? For sure. But I, like, I've historically seen this guy play wing mostly. Um, yeah. But I, but I, I do yeah. think he is a top six four in the NHL. You know whether it's a two C a one W, um, on a true Stanley Cup contender, is he a one W or two C? Like I, I think there's a good there's a good argument. I wouldn't sit here and see it. I would see feel like a hundred percent confident. But I, given what he's shown versus men over several years, given I think he has a lot of pro assets, like I I can see a strong case for it. One of the guys that um, I think from this last draft class that we're kind of in, in really interested to see how uh, you know he pans out over the next year or two uh, was a, a player that when when he was drafted by the by the Blackhawks at seventh overall, we had a live draft show uh, during during that draft, and our collective reaction was uh, kind of underwhelming, <laughs> underwhelming, and we were uh, a little maybe I, I guess disappointed with the pick, but it was Kevin Korchinski at, at number seven. And I think our collective reaction was it seemed high to take him at seven. It was another defenseman into the, the prospect system. Uh, but as we've kind of dug into his game a little bit, I think we've seen why the Blackhawks really liked his game. What can you say about Korchinski and kind of where he stands now and, and what maybe his, uh, his projection might be? Yeah, I mean he's different than those, those other defensemen in the system. He, you know, he's different than Alex Flashick. He's different than Nolan Allen. He's different than, you know, if you want to, you know, consider Ian Mitchell in in that bucket or Ethan Del Mastro. Like this guy is a this guy is a dynamic player. He's you know a great skater. Has a ton of offense. He makes plays. He's confident. He's a, he attacks while also having good size. So it's kind of different than saying Adam Boakfist, where 
yeah, he has offense, but he's this 5'10", 5'11", defenseman. If he can get pushed around a little bit, I don't think Korczynski is the best defensively, but because he has that length to go with the skating ability, I think he'll be decent enough defensively as a pro. You know, there's more projection there. You know, I didn't have him rated that high on my personal list, but I would say, you know, if he didn't go seven, he wasn't lasting much longer. I would, I think he was going in the top 10. I was pretty confident about that, actually. Uh, going into the draft, even more confident after what I was hearing after the draft, that if yeah, either someone was taking him who was already there, someone was trading up to go get him. Uh, so I, I don't think that was an off-the-board pick in terms of the NHL marketplace. Um, and I think the hope is, again, we have a 6'2 defenseman who can skate and has you know legitimate offensive ability. I mean, they, Seattle went to the WHL finals in large part due to how well he played uh, in, in that in, in that playoff uh, for them. Then, you know, I understand why they made that bet. You know, time will tell whether he was the seventh best player in the draft or not. Uh, but but uh, I think he's a very good player. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that you didn't think he'd get out of 10 because as the Hawks came on the board, we're all sort of screaming for Frank Nazar at that spot. They take Korchinski, we're all a little bit bummed, and then they go and get Nazar at 13. So it sounds like the Hawks had maybe some intel that Nazar will probably still be there and Korchinski might not. So they maybe, you know, did a slight a slight stretch, but clearly uh looks like Kyle Davidson did his research and knew um, you know, that Korchinski might be off the board by the time they come up next. Yeah, I think that was my intel too, that most I think most NHL people I talked to thought Korchinski was gonna was was rated higher than the Nazar were among NHL teams. So let's talk about Nazar. That's a guy who a lot of Hawks fans are excited about. Uh, we already have a, somebody on Twitter who follows us whose name is Frank Nazar for 2024 Calder. Maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but a little bit. It yes. just shows you the excitement. We saw him at development camp, and he looked every part of a first round pick. Uh, where do you see him projecting? Yeah, I mean, he follows up that that development camp by coming within an inch of making USA's World Junior team there in the summer. And that was, that kind of surprised me a little bit that he came, that he came that close after not really being in even close to the mix for the December team. And it was mostly the same players that, that were right for that camp. So I think that kind of showed that the USA Hockey thought highly of him and, and, and the camp that he was having there. Um, you know, he's really fun to watch. Tremendous speed, tremendous competitor. Uh, you know, he's small, but he plays with without fear. He attacks the net. Like if you look, if you see like a heat map of where all of his shots and scoring chances come from, it's just like a big blob right in front of the net. <laughs> and he, you know, he—I ha- wouldn't say he's like a dynamic playmaker, but he has skill. He can make he can make things happen for his teammates. Um, he's just a really fun player to watch. I think the question with him is going to be kind of thing the same thing with Reichel is—is is he a center? He, unlike Reichel, he actually does play center. He plays center predominantly. Um, uh, with with the program, but at five ten, the question is going to be, you know, there aren't there are very few five ten yeah. centers in the NHL. Can he be the next one? The NHL people I talked to who were big Frank Nazar fans would say, well, he reminds me of Vincent Trocheck. Now there's only one Vincent Trocheck in the NHL, but that's the hope if he ends up mm-hmm. staying down the middle. That would work. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well stay in the first round from this past draft class. You kind of mentioned Sam Rizzo a little bit there earlier, but. I know he was a guy that when that pick was made was kind of like wasn't necessarily on our radars a lot. I know some people think that was uh, maybe a little bit of a stretch. He definitely has first rounder potential and could be a, a, a unique player to say the least. But what, sure. what can you tell us about him? And we know he's going to be a project and we know we're not really going to have to worry about him in Chicago for three, four seasons at least. But what can you tell us sure. about why we should be excited about that pick? Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I would say among NHL personnel, it was 50-50 whether he's had him as a first-rounder or not, which is usually the case for the late first-rounders. You know, that's the reason why they go late in the first round. Um, for, the, for the teams that had him, rated that highly, like I said, it was all the toolkit projection. Six-four defenseman who can skate and has skill. Those guys are hard to find. Um, the people who would be worried about him would be like, well, he didn't really have a big season. When he went to the USHL, he wasn't a top player. Even in Minnesota High School, he didn't do amazing but there were there were times during the year times in USHL games where he really excelled that you got really excited about his pro potential I was at some of his games at the Hinka Gretzky even though he wasn't getting big minutes he did some really unique things out there that made you think okay this guy has a, a lot of potential to be a good pro defenseman one day uh, he is going back to the USHL next season I, to my knowledge he'd be the first first round pick to go play in the USHL the year after his draft since Blake Wheeler did that uh you know nearly two decades ago now blake wheeler was a long project too and eventually it worked out 
but I don't. I hope for Rinzola it doesn't take that long. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take ten years for him to hit his peak <laughs> and and become a you know a good NHL player. But that's you know, he is a long term bet. He's going to be a two three year guy in college for sure. Uh, but it, it that was an, an upside bet for sure. Um, and like I said, there were some teams that haven't rated that highly, but it wasn't a consensus. On your list of the uh, top players under 23, I think you went up to 170, give or take, right in that area. Uh, number 135 was Philip Kurashev. Sure. And we've seen a lot of him in the NHL. And as we talk as a trio, we sort of have trouble figuring out exactly what Kurashev is. We, we, we've identified that when he gets frequent playing time, he is a lot more effective, which makes a lot of sense, especially for a young player. Um, I have made the comparison to your classic like 4A baseball player where he's probably too good for the American League, but probably not good enough to be a regular on a contender, especially considering the fact that he's kind of a top six type player. Could you see him adding, you know, at this point in his career, he's kind of going to have to add a little bit of a bottom six skill set, I guess you would say. And a name that we've talked about a couple times with him is Michael Froelich. It's a guy who sure. came up with offensive chops and was projected to be an offensive player, but then sort of figured out as his career went on, you know, I'm going to have to adapt here. Can you see Kurashev at his size, at his stature, with his, you know, pedigree, whatever you want to call it, adding that sort of element to his game? Or, or do you think, because you got him ranked pretty high here, do you think that he could eventually figure out the offense and become a regular top six? Yeah, I think maybe more middle six is what I think. You know, maybe okay. third line wing, second power play kind of kind of guy. Where I, you know, I don't would never call Kurashev a great two way player. I don't think he's that physical. His skating is fine, but it's not a major asset. Where you kind of think of as a guy who's going to kill penalties. Really, could think he was a better skater at the same age. Uh, but I think with Kurashev, you see a guy with you know really good skill, really good offensive vision. He can shoot the puck really well. Yeah, the offense hasn't been consistent yet. Uh, but again, pretty young player in the NHL. I, I like the player. He's been way better than I thought. When I saw him at junior, I thought he was not going to be a, a long-term NHL player because I thought he was just good offensively but wasn't well-rounded enough. But then lo and behold, goes the American League. He plays well. He goes to the NHL. He finds a way to score, not consistently, but but well enough, especially given how young he is. I do think he's a good player. He's a valuable piece. Is he a long-term solution? Is he going to be a legit top six, top nine guy on a team that's winning a Stanley Cup? I would be hesitant to say that right now, but I think he's a valuable piece guy. You can keep around for, for a while, maybe turn into a, you know, a trade chip at some point, just because, you know, if he score if he scores, I think he is going to continue to score in the NHL. Those guys are still valuable. I want to ask um, a, a, a non Blackhawks specific question and then we can get back to, to talking about their farm system. But um I just want to ask, like, when you put together these lists, these, and because you're because you're trying to break down all 32 teams for your like work process, what goes? Are you watching all 32 teams' farm systems top to bottom video, or like how do you, how do you pull that all together just from 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 being in your position uh, as as a as a, a a prospect analyst, draft analyst? Like, how how in depth do you do you personally go? One to thirty-two in the NHL. Uh, well, that's, that's a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm watching games all season in all different kinds of leagues. I mean, we're just watching a KHL game right before we right before I jumped on with you guys. This there's the season just started today. Um, you know, so you're watching games all season long. I'm talking to scouts all season long. Um, I have notes on these players going back years, so you're not just watching players for the first time. You're you're, you're updating information you all, you already have, uh, and you just kind of you're building on top of that. And then when it's time to actually put out the list, you have the notes that you've built from this season and prior seasons, so you kind of turn that into a work product, um, not seamlessly but efficiently, um, and, and and that's kind of how that would go. It is a lot of work and it does take a lot of time, you know, both from myself and our editing team to make sure that everything looks presentable and, and it can be digested in a, in a comprehensible way. Um, uh, but but uh, that's kind of the, the overview of how that would go, work. And yet we have, you know, see spreadsheets full of everybody's like attributes and their write-ups and their biographical information and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, to me, the, we talked, we had Brock Sheehan, the new uh, Chicago Wolves coach, former Steel coach in, and we were mm-hmm. asking him about like, his access to data. And I think 
Mario's question to you is like about the process, right? Like you have so much information, like physically, did you just have like a Google doc with like 700 pages alphabetically of every prospect? <laughs> like, I'm just really fascinated by how you organize all of it. Yeah, I have, you know, I have, we have our own uh, docs and spreadsheets that I share with our editors, which has all the write-ups and the biographical information in it. And then we have my own personal uh, spreadsheets, which has all, has all my tool grades and, my, and kind of my, my notes in it that I tweak throughout the course of the year. It wouldn't be the same information that, say, Brock has, where Brock is, you know, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Te teams are using um, a lot of third-party servicers that provide analytical information to them. And they have people who can whose full-time jobs are to process and analyze that information. Uh, so it's a little different in that regard. But yeah, right. you gotta keep you gotta keep things together a little bit so that you don't go crazy. And <laughs> and not only crazy, but you need to you know I, I have a really really good memory, but I don't have a perfect memory. Um, and so you need some place where you can go back and refresh yourself on players. Do you ever have free time? Because <laughs> it seems like a lot to keep uh, keep on track of. Um, I take I probably don't take like a lot of my athletic writers take like like the long summer vacations where they you know they disappear for four weeks or six weeks or whatever. I don't I can't do that because we have the summer tournaments and these org rankings we do in the summer. So my breaks are more intermittent where we take a couple days to a week off every here and there during, during the season typically. And I just took I took a week off after the org rankings published. Well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I really hope you've got all those spreadsheets backed up in multiple places. That's oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Itchy yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, no, we do. We have, we have, my editor has her, has her own copy of it too. And uh, yeah, uh, no, we, we, we have, we have ways to make sure things don't go south too much. Cause I think I burned through a computer a year or something like that. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, that that's nightmare fuel thinking about all that information, just disappearing one day. But uh, Do not put that into <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure the backup plan has a backup plan and a backup plan and a backup plan. So um, I just wanted to quickly bring us back to, to your most recent list in this last draft class. There's one name that jumped off your list um, specifically because of where he was just being drafted. I'm talking uh, Ryan Green, who was, who was a pick, and you had him at six already just from the draft class, which I was a big fan of the pick. I got to see him play a couple of times in person against the Steel in ushl i mean i i was a big fan of pick when it happened but what is it specifically about him that had you you know had him up at six just from you know right after the draft yeah i think this is a guy just with a lot of you know with a, with a really good pro toolkit he's a center with he's around six one six two he's a good skater i think he has good uh, good puck skills um I, his offense wasn't really consistent this season but you can see the glimpses of the playmaking ability you can see the glimpses of, of the shot uh, he goes to Canada's under twenty camp this summer, and I think he holds his own among um, among that level and shows some some good flashes there. Uh, you know, I just think I, you need him to be more consistent. Like that's going to be the key with this guy. But you know, he killed penalties too with Green Bay. Like I, I just think there's a lot there to like, and I, I'm not sure exactly what his NHL role is going to be one day. But I think there's a lot of things that he can build on uh, to to be able to play well at higher levels. You know, be a college hockey, then and then hopefully one day be a good pro. Before we get to the 2023 uh, draft class, there's one one more guy off off your list that I want to ask about that I felt was actually just a little low personally. But again, you have way more information <laughs> and, and and way more uh, background sure. with with uh, with watching these guys than I do. But um, Drew Camezzo, you had as as the 14th ranked guy uh, in the Blackhawk system, and and by all accounts from from us and from many Blackhawks fans, he's kind of looked at right now as as the team's future in net um but i i would say a 14th ranking doesn't really scream that too much but what, what's your read on him as he goes into uh, another year at boston i think he's a very good goalie you know good athleticism really really intelligent tech, tech you know technically sound goaltender i think with with Camesso, it's just going to be the frame there are not i think around six one and a half six two there aren't a whole lot of those guys who play you know, 55 to 65 starts starts a season in the National Hockey League, unless they're truly exceptional athletes. Uh, and he's got a chance to be that guy, but I think that's going to be the that when he turns pro. Like, I think he's going to be very good in college next year. He's been good in college uh, so far. I think that's going to be the question. You know, the little he played. I think the one game there in the Olympics versus men, and that was you know he was really, he was really good. I'm not sure was that the game versus China or was it was that somebody else? 
Uh, I don't remember one. I don't remember what specific game it was, but yeah, yeah it was just, and, just the one. And he played well in that game. So, you know, we'll see how he does when he plays against men consistently. I, I do like him, but I think, you know, most scouts would, would tell you when, when guys are not at least minimum 6-3, the deck stacked against him a little bit as a goaltender, unless, you know, they're like USA Saros or like Igor Shesterkin, where they're just exceptional athletes. Hmm. Okay. One more prospect I want to ask about, uh, defenseman Ian Mitchell. He is restricted for agent after this year. I um, think his development was stunted a little bit by the last mm-hmm. regime, calling him up too quickly. Uh, played really well in Rockford last year, and, and it feels like this could be the year where he actually breaks through to the NHL. What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on Ian Mitchell? I, I like Ian Mitchell, but I think the question is, like, what exactly is his role in the NHL? Like, he's a good skater. He has good offensive skills. He can move the puck. Uh, but the question with him is, you know, given he's not the biggest guy, not overly, overly physical, you know, I don't think he competes well enough, you know, you know, cause I don't think he's this guy's ever going to be like a great defender in the AHL. So the question is, you know, okay, so, okay, he's an offensive guy. Now the question is, is he good enough offensively to be a tough four defenseman? Is he good enough to, you know, want to be that your guy you go to on the power play? You know, over some of the other options, you know, like how say a Kevin Quartinsky is probably going to be on your power play one day. I think that's going to be the debate with, with Mitchell Kinsley. He's going to need to show even strength. He can drive play well enough and not be a liability in his own end to to be able to show that he can be trusted. I think there's a chance he can be that. I do like Ian Mitchell, but I wouldn't say that's a guarantee. Yeah, it's almost like what is his super, you know, what what does he really, really excel at? Exactly. And there's not, there's not really an answer to that. Like with Bulkwish, you could say, well, he's not great defensively, but the offense is there. With Mitchell, oh, yeah, it's kind of – He had a ton of skill. He had a, his shot was tremendous, just kind of a black hole in his own end, right? Yeah. That's, that's yes. putting it kindly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a lot of uh, our, our viewers here on YouTube are and a lot of Hawks fans are really interested in next year's draft, obviously. Connor Bedard, Adam Fentilli, um, I think Mitchkoff, uh, all these – high prospects coming out uh, on the heels of our conversation with Brock Sheehan yesterday. Um, what are your thoughts on Fantilli? I know that he, uh, some people say that had he been in this draft, he might've gone first overall. Uh, what can you tell us about Fantilli? Yeah. I mean, Fantilli is a, is a tremendous player. I wouldn't say it was a guarantee he would go first overall, uh, but I think he would have been in discussion at the minimum with your Lepkowski and, and Shane Wright and Simon Nemich, Logan Cooley. I think he, like, he's, he's in that grouping. I just don't think he would get rid of a lock to be to be the first guy, but a really special athlete. You have a center who who have you know six foot three like he is, who can skate the way he is and plays hard the way he does. He can be really physically imposing on on opponents. You know, I think he's really skilled. He can shoot the puck. Um, he sees the ice well enough. I don't think I would call him like a dynamic playmaker. Uh, but there's a lot there that gets you really excited. Like you almost kind of think like, okay, well, like if Kirby Doc played physical, this is kind of what this guy would look like a little bit. Um, maybe not as much playmaking as Kirby, but but like a harder um, guy to play against. Uh, so I think that's you know what makes Adam really exciting as as a pro prospect. And you know I've been to some of his best games as a junior, and you know he would take over. He didn't do that every night, mind you, but when you were at those games, when he would really take over, and you you kind of see like the NHL scouts start to salivate a little bit. Like he has that kind of pro potential. Corey, let's say you were Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks ended up with the second overall pick. Connor Bedard, most likely the consensus number one guy off the board. Uh, when you look at Adam Fantilli and Matvey Michkov, which way would you lean as the, the, the second player off the board in this class? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. And it's one I'm still going to be working on for the next 12 months yeah. uh, because um, I think Michkov's the better hockey player. Um, but it's easy for me to say that, harder for me to pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. And where, whereas you have Fantilli is a center, he is bigger, he is Canadian, he will be on your team within a year, and you feel confident you can get that guy signed to an extension. With Michkov, none of those things are true. You know, he, will, he is a small Russian winger who you will have to wait at a minimum three full seasons before he puts on a Blackhawks jersey. Uh, that is a tall ass second overall. I think the Blackhawks are uniquely positioned with how strong their market is um, and with how early they are in the rebuild process where they might be able to bite that bullet. Uh, but it's, it's easier for me to say that. 
Um, and just because you have a passionate fan base, right now doesn't mean they'll always they'll be super patient. I think you guys might remember <laughs> when the when when you know the, there were dark days in Chicago oh, when yeah. when, t- when tickets weren't being sold. So yeah. I, I I would guess that most teams will prefer Fantilli for that reason. But we'll see where we are. We'll see what this kind of years they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know if Mitchkov has a, like a historic year and looks like same level as Bedard or better. And that's going to be a tough player to say no to, uh, you know, but Fantilli could easily have an amazing year in Michigan too. We'll, we'll kind of see where we are uh, come June. Is there any way you could envision uh, Bedard getting uh, Shane Wrighted next year where he would fall in the draft? Maybe not to four, but I mean, Bedard is talked in the same breath as some of the already current greats. Sure. I mean, of course there's a chance, right? He could get hurt. He could have a terrible year, but pretty unlikely that he would fall out of number one, right? Um, right now, I would say it, it, it seems like a strong chance that would not happen. I, I, there are never, I would have told you this a year ago and I would, it would, it would have been a good prediction, but I'll definitely tell you now there are no guarantees in the draft. Uh, things can happen. There's, there's a path where, you know, like he was such a young player in the world juniors. So I don't want to beat him up because I love Bedard and I think he's a special player, but he didn't have like a really say like a good, Last couple of World Junior games, and that's because you know he got he got physically pushed around, and you can see it. A team seeing like the small guy, wiry frame, pretty good skater, not an exceptional skater. And you're like, oh, okay, you know he might this may not work in the NHL, but I just think Bedard's gonna have like 70 goals next year and 120 <laughs> points, and he's and it's not gonna really matter. But uh, but I but there's there's a path where things can go south. I can see someone people arguing, oh, he's not really a center, but Fantilli's really a center something like that but again let's just see what how the next season goes first we i know i know in chicago you guys have a lot to discuss about with this draft class uh but we actually have to watch them play the full season first before before we have these before we see what happens there (laughs) is is there anyone outside of those three in this upcoming class that kind of gets you excited that may you know if they have like a really great year they might jump into that discussion as like hey this 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 player is just as good as these three Probably nobody's there yet. The guy, you know, there's a couple of guys who have a chance. I think Charlie Stramwell at Wisconsin has a chance for kind of the same reasons that Fantilli would be in the mix where you just have this big, powerful centerman who can skate and has some offense. I think a developable Dvorsky, the Slovakian centerman, uh, you know, who uh, outscored Yuri Slavkovsky at the, in the same tournament a year ago. Uh, the Hlinka Gretzky, despite being a year younger, you know, that guy has a lot of skill and scoring ability. So he's interesting. And then I think, you know, one of the other WHL kids, Zach Benson, Brian Yeager are really good players too. But I, I don't think any of them have entered that discussion with those three. I think they would, things would need to change quite significantly over the coming months, but, but they always could. We had one in the chat asking us about uh, Paul Ludwinski, uh, another <laughs> draft pick from this year. Um, can you see him as an NHL player? Or is it more of a lottery ticket? How do you see that playing out? I think he has NHL skating and NHL compete. Uh, I mean, he's he can fly. You love the way he plays, and the, the, there's how direct his game is, how hard he works. Um, you know, that's going to translate to the pro game. I have no question about it. The question is going to be just you know, as a five ten ish, five eleven guy you know, who didn't really score that much last year. It's like, this will he have enough offense to you know kind of play that complimentary? You know, he, he's probably a bottom six forward for me if he makes it. Uh, whether the center or wing, we'll see. But that's just going to be a question. That's, you know. He didn't really. He was like a, you know, two thirds, three quarter points a game guy in the OHL. Not great for a small guy. Uh, you're, you know, that was a deep offensive team. You know, they had some good players there, like Zay Wisdom, Martin Kromiak, Shane Wright. He'll have a bigger opportunity next season, but he's going to really need to kind of like pop and show a lot of offense, I think, for that player type to work in the NHL. Same thing with Samuel Savoy to an extent too, and, and, and Aiden Thompson. They kind of drafted a certain kind of player type uh, in last year's draft class. A lot of emphasis on skating and compete. I thought. You know, and on the on, you know Nazar being on like the upper echelon of that kind of player. Corey, we appreciate your time. That was excellent. Uh, we loved it. Our viewers loved it. Uh, I know you're a busy man, so we appreciate the time, and we'll catch up down the road. Thanks. Thank you. That's Corey Pronman from the Athletic. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Corey Pronman. Uh, great stuff from him. I mean, it's just to think about like we talked to him about the process to be able to store all that stuff, not only like physically on your computer. But in your brain, where you can just be asked about like random, oh yeah, this guy, he's a good skater with this and that. Like, and he knew he was coming on with us, but it takes a special kind of brain to have all that information just ready to go. 
dude, I forget what's on my grocery list when it's <laughs> on my phone in my hand. Yeah. yeah. So like no. for Corey to be able to, to, to process, you know, who's, who's the top prospects across the entire league in all 32 farm systems. That's, that's a, that's a different, uh, yeah, a different level of operating than I can even comprehend. Yeah. It's pretty impressive considering there are many times a day I get up to go into a different room. And by the time I get into that other room, I've forgotten what I've gotten to go in that room for. What was I doing? Or I come back with something completely different than I originally went for. So yes, to be able to just be like, Oh yeah, Paul Leswinski. Yeah. He can skate and compete. Like it, it's, it's an impressive uh, task to be able yeah. to do. And uh, we, we, we thank Corey for his time. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. a very busy, busy guy watching KHL games on a yeah. Thursday <laughs> afternoon. Oof. Man, what better way to spend your time, you know? I'll tell you what a better way would be. Ah, Jumping yes. on PointsBet Sportsbook. Eh? They're counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. So from now until September 8th, that's a week from today, PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from noon to 1 p.m. Central. Sign up for the PointsBet app now using the code CHGO, and you'll also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Do not miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not all. Make a $51 or more first-time deposit, and you'll receive a free CHGO membership. That'll get you access to all of our web content, a free t-shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker, including our new QB1 design, the Justin Fields design that just came out earlier this week. So download the PointsBet app today. Use the code CHGO and take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And real quick, that power hour bet, um, that is not just for new users. If you're a PointsBet user, you have that every day until Mm -hmm. September 8th. So make sure you're checking that app, set an alarm on your phone Every day at noon, open up that points bet app and check the power hour bet. The hour of power. You don't want to miss it. Am I uh so am I telling uh, people about the uh the great product of Owen right now or are we going into the uh the pick of the week? I think you're talking about athletic greens right now, actually. If I'm looking mm. at the uh if I'm looking at our <laughs> at our log, you're talking about the great product of athletic greens. Yes, athletic greens and their how could AG1 I, formula. How could I forget for the athletic greens? Yes. Do you want to just do this? I'm just I'm just hoping you stall <laughs> while you get the read ready. <laughs> I think I should be able to do this in my sleep. The amount of times I've told the great people of uh, CHGO out there in YouTube and on the podcast world about athletic greens. Uh but yes, athletic greens and their AG1 formula formulated formula formulated to improve your gut health, optimize your immune system and just boost your natural energy with AG one in just one scoop of it. You are getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And if you have different dietary restrictions, like you have to eat gluten free or dairy free, or you eat keto or vegan or paleo, Whatever it is, with AG1, you are able to incorporate it into those diets and you're good to go. It's a small once-a-day habit with big benefits. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And yeah, get yourself some Athletic Greens. All right. We got a question in the chat here from Dalton. He says, so who in your guys' opinion is the Hawks' top prospect? Who after round one this year do you think will become an important part of their roster after discussing with Prodman? Um, I still think it's Lucas Reichel at this moment. Um I yeah. do think that Nazar and Korchinski could 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 uh, leapfrog him after this year. But for now, uh, you look at the pedigree, you look what he's accomplished so far, you look at how he did in Rockford, uh, I think that Lucas Reichel is for sure the surest thing they have. Uh, whether or not that's a star player, all-star, whatever remains to be seen. But mm-hmm. if I'm betting on one guy to hit, at this moment, it's Reichel. 
Yeah, I would I would say Reichel, uh, Nazar, and Korchinski are kind of all right there. But uh, as far as right now, like like the best player right now, it's it would be it would be Reichel all for the same reasons that you, that you said, Jay. It's 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 hard to. I think the Blackhawks would be in a much worse position if one of their first round picks this past draft class immediately became their top uh, top overall. Um, prospect. They they did have been in a much worse spot in their prospect system than they already you know were, uh, especially after you know Alex Brinkett was no longer a prospect and the, Kirby, uh, Doc. Kirby, <laughs> Kirby Doc was traded. So yeah, I I, I would go with Reichel. I was blessing Greg for sneezing. Thank good, you. Greg. Yeah, that counts because yeah. I was an altar boy. Ah, there um, you go. Maybe maybe you should have said Gazuntite. We were talking about Lucas Reichel. <laughs> no, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree that Lucas Reichel is probably the top prospect just because he's the most NHL ready of the group right now. Does he have the highest ceiling? That I'm not convinced on. Yeah. I would think a guy like Korchinski or Nazar would have a higher ceiling. But as far as who's the best prospect that you know we could expect in the NHL the soonest, it's definitely Reichel. Um, I, I'm still a big fan of him and his game for a lot of the reasons Corey just talked about. I think he's going to be a solid NHL player. I don't necessarily project him to be, you know, a franchise player, uh, a, a perennial all-star heart trophy candidate type player, but he's a guy that you can put in your lineup for years to come and be very productive, you know, uh, not the same type of player per se as a Patrick Sharp, but along that level. Not the superstar on the team, but like that very next tier, um, complementary, very productive player. Um, and he also had a second part of that question outside of this year's first round, who will become a part important part of the roster. Hopefully, a bunch of these guys. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, names that jump out to me outside of the 2023-2022 first round. You know, we've talked a lot about a guy like Ethan Del Mastro, who's made a huge jump. He was a fourth rounder last year. Um, was it fourth or fifth? I think it was fourth. Fourth, fourth yeah. That's a guy that's made a big jump. Uh, we've talked a lot about him. He 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 worked his way into the the Can- Canadian World Junior lineup, and they couldn't take him out all the way through to the gold medal game. He's a guy we should be excited about. Um, Jalen Lipen, similar. Yeah, late Jaylen, round Jaylen pick Lipen, made a huge jump. Yep. Seventh round pick, the last pick, he who shall not be named ever made. And it's going to turn out maybe turn out pretty good. Um, I still think there's, I still think there's a lot of potential for a guy like Colton Doc to be someone that could be a roster player here in the next couple of years. There's a lot of guys out there um, that, you know, those later round picks are where you really build your team. Yes, you want to hit on those first round picks year in, year out. That's where you're, 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 you know, great success comes from when you can, if you can consistently hit on those first round picks, especially the higher you are up in the draft, the better are your chances, but you also got to have those second, third, fourth round guys become everyday NHL players. Not all of them. That's impossible to do, but you got to have more, you got to have more become productive than not. So, but I think these last two draft classes, I know we, we, it's, against the rules in some circles of Blackhawk fandom to give he who shall not be named a little bit of credit. But that 2021 draft class is not is pretty good as far as his draft classes goes. I think there's going to be maybe up to three NHL players out of that group, maybe more. And I'm, and I, and so far I like, you know, this past draft class, obviously you can't give it a final grade, at this point, but there's 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 a lot more to be excited about in the prospect system now than there was two years ago. That's for sure. Uh, I think you also have to yeah. remember that some of these some of these players were were drafted after uh, losing a major chunk or an entire, or an entire season, season. Yeah, uh, in their development process, especially as you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Like that's a that's a, that's an important part in there you know looking at them as prospects so you know some of the some of these guys that ended up being later round picks if they had had more normal seasons more normal you know opportunities to uh to grow in their development at in in those years um they may not have been like ethan del mastro may not have been a fourth round pick he might have might have gone earlier or or you know different things like that so it's it's 
some of these some of these prospects are kind of might might bloom in different ways than they you know than others have in previous years so um you know Corey talked about you know the blackhawks being in a position where they can be patient with their prospects and they should be um i think that's going to be one of the benefits of um you know having a an opportunity to let the one having a, a general manager that that values having patience with development um and and two being able to have you know the idea that like you're not trying to do this in in one season flip it around and and get back to the top of the league like that's just not realistic so knowing that it's not a a, a one-year turnaround um patience is, is going to be key uh, major chunk was my pro wrestling name back in the day <laughs> Um, that was my gimmick. Nice. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sorry. We got a question here from Nate. Did, <laughs> did says, you wear Did you wear army fatigue? Yeah, yeah that was basically a Sergeant Slaughter ripoff. Uh, that's what it was. Uh, uh, Nate says, "What are realistic goal assist point to- point totals for Reichel this year? Just looking uh, for Hawks fans to have realistic expectations. Fifty goals, a hundred points." <laughs> Well, I did. So I did. I looking know. at Nate's question as a preview, I went and looked to see what Alex Debrinkit did his rookie year. And That's just to unfair. be clear, no, right? Just to be clear, That's no unfair. one is projecting that Lucas Reichel will be Alex Debrinkit. Even with that in mind, Debrinkit's first year, fifty-two points. He had seventy-six his second year, third year, forty-five points. If if Reichel hits forty points, however they come about, I'm thrilled. Right. I'm thrilled with forty. I think somewhere within. Yeah. You know, 25, <laughs> 35 is probably realistic. It's not – the numbers aren't going to come right away, especially when you look at, like, he's probably not going to be playing with Kane, right, because they're going to probably want to split the talent a little bit. Uh, they're also going to want to get some production out of their free agents so they become more valuable trade pieces. So he may not be getting top power play time. I'm thinking 35, I'd be really happy with something in the 40s. I think, they, I think if they – if they don't play him with with Kane or on the wing of Taze or something like that, you're doing him a disservice because this is this is a prospect that is, as we just said, currently at the top of your system. And he's not the guy that the rebuild hinges on, but he's going to be an important piece. And if he's not uh, if, if he's not able to kind of I don't want to say hit the ground running like the did. But if he's not able to at least you know have a have a a, a lively jog right out of the gate, um, it's it's going to be hard to you know see him uh, in. We talk him up. It's going to be hard to see him if he struggles. And I think you only have what maybe half, two thirds of a season of Jonathan Taze and or Patrick Kane uh, mm-hmm. by all accounts. So. I know we've, we've talked about this before, but I, I've, you know, having Lucas Reichel up in the NHL while those two guys are still here, I think is very important. Having him play with one of them, I think is also very important for his development, for his confidence, and just to give him someone to play with that can give, give him the ability for his skill set to, to shine. If they stick him on the third line with like Kurashev and Tyler Johnson. Like yeah, maybe that's maybe that's where he he fits in. Um, when you look at like trying to get Athanasiu some time and Max Domi some time, and you know, in all that, I think if you have Lucas Reichel on the NHL roster in the lineup, you are doing him a disservice in his development if you don't play him with with Taze or Kane. I agree with you. I also what gives me some hope is it feels like. Luke Richardson is a guy who gives playing time based on who's earned it. And I just said, you know, they, they're going to want Domi and Athanasiu to up their value as much as they can. But if those guys haven't earned top six time, I don't think Luke Richardson's just going to keep them there just because, oh, we got to get their trade value up. He's a competitor. Right. He's going, Luke Richardson is going to try to win every game the Blackhawks play this year. He's going to try to put them in the best position to do so. Whether or not they have the talent to do it, they don't, but they're going to try, right? Um, so I don't see him just being like, well, you know, these two, we got to keep them playing. So those points keep coming so we can get a better pick for them. I don't think that's in, I don't think that sort of mindset exists in Luke Richardson. So, um, and look, he's a guy who, you know, he's been around some good young players coming up. 
You look at Suzuki and Cole and uh, Cole Caulfield in Montreal, right? Offensive, kind of one-dimensional kind of guys. He has seen how their development has gone in his mm-hmm. time in Montreal. So he's probably learned some do's and do nots in that time. And hopefully he can bring those over and translate into the best possible transition for Reichel. Cause you're right. He is, he's very important to this. Like if he's your next Kirby doc where you're dispatching him two, three years from now, cause it just hasn't worked out. That's a big stunt on your rebuild. Huge. Yep. Huge. Even if you, even if you get Bedard, right. That's still, you're, you're still losing a guy who, let's say in by this time next year is still likely in your top three of prospects. Mm. And I think if you look at the way the roster is now, Reichel's a top six forward, is he not? He has I mean, to whether he starts there or not, I'm just you'd based think, on who's yeah. on this roster. You'd think who's knocking them out of that top six, even with Domi and Athanasiu, they're both okay. You put them both in the top six. Okay. Kane and Taves, there's four. Who else you got? Yeah. Right. I mean, the only, only other one center. Yeah. The only yeah. one other one I would think is like Tyler Johnson. Okay. So you put Tyler Johnson in between Reichel and Kane. Sure. I wouldn't. And you put Athanasiu and Domi with Taves. Or you put Reichel that. with Taves and Athanasiu and Domi with Johnson and, and Kane. I think I wrote but There's nobody there this. that's really like, <laughs> there's really, no, yeah. yeah like, you get the, I want the 88, 89, 90 line out there for, for yeah. a few ships. That would be fun. Uh, that'd yeah. be aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you look at the raw. I mean, we also got to take an effect. As I agree with both of you, got a 40 point season would be considered a success in my book. Anything above that would be great. Sure. You yeah. know, 35 points or less if he's here for all 82 games yeah, would be right. a little concerning. I wouldn't say disappointment, but it would be concerning because this is his time. No one's going to force him out of playing big minutes at this point. There's no superstars. We just mentioned we can't even think of six guys to fill out the top six. So, <laughs> right. So if I'm, he's here to start the season and he's playing all eighty-two games, knock on wood, he's healthy. I don't see why forty points is unreasonable expectation. Tavo Teravainen's first full season in Chicago, 2015-16, 78 games, thirty-five points. Uh, the next year in Carolina, eighty-one games, forty-two points, and that was his fourth pro season, his second full season. So. These are yeah. the kind of, you know, like 35, like it might sound like not great, but again, we've got to, and I'm pointing the thumb at myself on this. We've got to get out of the Taves, Kane, DeBrinket mindset. That is not normal. And right. also right. he is not a prospect of that level. He's just not. Right. He was what? 17th we're, overall. We're talking two for sure. Hall of Famers. If Alex DeBrinket's career continues as it has been potential Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Lucas Reichel does not project to be a Hall of Fame or even a fringe Hall of Famer, right? But the Teravinen comps, not totally similar game, but that, that's a little more in the area of the kind of player you're looking at. What was the Teravinen first season, full season with the Hawks? You said 15, First 16? full season was 15, uh, 15 16. 16, 78 games, 13 goals, 22 assists. If and, Reichel and, does that, I'm happy. Right, but Reichel should have an opportunity to do at least that because – Top six. He's top Tara six. Vi- Terry Ryan was not a was... top six guy because he, he just couldn't get in there because that was that – was was that not uh, Panarin's first year with the Hawks? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It was 2016-17. Uh, yeah, that was Sharp a, was a like, loaded team. You still had – you were just coming off a championship run that was a team Taze, not – so Hosa, it's a different – yeah, Sharp, it's still, still different situation Yeah, where Reichel on that team wouldn't sniff top six minutes either. Oh, he'd be in Rockford. He'd be in Rocker right. the entire year. Yeah. yeah. So and Joel Quenville Tavo, if if this was to, if this was the <laughs> roster constructed in Tavo's first full season, he would have been a top six player. Yeah. And Good might point. have been able to succeed those numbers. Yep. So this this the the scenario is for Reichel to succeed. It, he, he's going to be given every opportunity to to play top six and and succeed there. So I I'm I'm looking forward to him grasping that opportunity. He's performed at every level. He's been at so far in his career performed well he exceeded my expectations in rockford last season um he was good and he was good right from the start and remained consistent the entire season i don't see why he can't do that Uh, i'm not saying point per game like he did in in rockford but half a point per game average for 82 games i'll take it well he he also seems if we're comparing if we're comparing tara vinan and reichel you look at some of the intangibles too 
Tavo's transition to the U.S. was tough. Like he, his personality was very introverted, very quiet. Uh, Reichel scared, seems a little scared. Children, scared. In yes, Indiana. he looked like a deer. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he looked. He looked like a deer in headlights for a while while he figured things out here. Reichel does not have that vibe to him. He's right. gregarious. He's happy. He's confident. He's. It's not to say that Tavo wasn't confident, but you could see him sort of feeling his way. Also, entering a locker room with that list of players we just named coming off a Stanley Cup win, it's like, Jesus, I know he just won a cup with them too, but it's harder to integrate into a team like that that's just loaded, whereas yeah. Reichel, it's it's Kane and it's Taves, yeah, but then it's a lot of his peers around the roster. So A lot, a lot of guys that he shouldn't be intimidated by. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think the, the you know, the way that the, the projected lineup right now looks like, he should have ample opportunity to, to play. Uh, a, a, I hesitate to say all 82 games just because from, I think what Scott power said earlier this summer was that from what he understands, the plan is to not really throw Reichel into the NHL right away. But man, I just, I just can't, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Cause it's just like, is he not one of the top 12 Absolutely. Forwards right now. Sorry, we before, can't. Before, uh, before we even hit play. Before we <laughs> even hit training camp, like when you look top to bottom, is he not in the top twelve? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know. He's so in the I, top I think six. Yeah, I think you just this training camp and preseason. You for me, Reichel would have to prove that he's not ready to play in the NHL. And I agree. I don't know. I just don't see that that's going to be the case. So it's yeah, a, I, yeah. It's it's also hard because we really don't know how Luke Richardson runs a team yet. Like, right. So it's kind of hard to speculate. But look, I I think it's good. Lucas Reichel is going to show up in training camp and be one of the best players on the ice. I think that's that's a safe bet, right? I I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you're just like arbitrarily like, we'll go down because why? Right. You know, and I know you're, there's we're... patience and there's negligence. And that's, yes. you know, yeah. and there, that's the line that you have to walk. And that's what the other guy couldn't do because uh, he was right. impatient and negligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least Kyle Davidson is showing patience, but hopefully not too much. Like if a guy has shown you, there's nothing more for Lucas Reichel to accomplish at the AHL level. You don't want to overcook a steak. Yep. No. Nice. Or put ketchup me- on it. Ni- nice but, medium, um, medium cook. Ready to go. But with, you know, we, we mentioned we don't know a lot about Luke Richardson as day-to-day, you know, operations of a hockey team. But the, the the impression that we did get when we had him in our lovely CHGO studios, uh, that episode is in the archive. Go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a guy, at least he's it's what he says, is that he handles all his players on a case-by-case level. Like, he's going to try and do the best for each player on what they do. Instead of trying to make each player fit his system, he's going to try and build his system around his individual players. So, that to me, sounds like a plus for Reichel as well, and all the young players, uh, to be honest. Whereas, you know, when Jeremy Colleton was here, it was, this is my dumbass system I want to run, and if you don't like it, I'm not going to play. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to play how I want you to play, not what got you to be to the NHL where it seems like Luke Richards is like, okay, you got to the NHL by doing this. Let's keep you doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, we'll see uh, lots to talk about. I mean, and, and training camp, man, it is, it's, it's officially September. It is September. You, you um, And that means hockey is being played in just a few short weeks. Um, training camp, man, it's almost here. It's exciting. It is, and there's a. Anyone really- else is exciting is winning money. Yes, on the yeah. points bet app, especially if you've been following our points bet play of the week. We're on a roll. I think Mario has a little something planned for this week's bet. Yeah, I'd like to throw oh. back. Yeah. I'd like to throw back, Lawrence. All right, All right. <laughs> I'd like to throw back to last week's pick of the week, if we could. Oh yeah, would you like to see that video? Yeah, yeah, let's do good. that. Yes, let's do now it. I can open uh, my soda can. Seahawks, mm-hmm. man, that hit. And now they have their yearly preseason tilt against the mighty Cleveland Browns. Can't wait for that. Um, I will not be watching, but I will be betting on the game. And I was just going to go Bears on the money line again, but as our awesome producer, fearless leader Lawrence pointed out, uh, the under has hit in both of the first two preseason games, and the over-under for this game is 42. That seems a lot for two teams that can't score a lot of points in a preseason game. 
yeah, I was going to parlay the Bears on the money lane with the under, but it wouldn't allow me to do that. Oh. I guess that was unfair. It was like a for sure win, so they didn't let me place that bet. So I'm just going to throw some money on the under at 42. The odds aren't super great. It's minus 115, so you're not going to get a ton of money back. But you know what? Getting some money back is better than getting no money back. Something's better than nothing. That is how you keep money in your account instead of having to reboot it every couple of months. You, you take Sometimes you take those small victories yeah. and claim them as big victories and – the under. That's what we're going. Under 42, okay. Browns and Bears. Uh, Justin Fields and the offense are expected to play the full first half. You know, maybe maybe QB1 can uh, throw some darts and actually get us in the end zone a few times. But They're still, they're oh, still going to win 19-18. So if you'll notice in that video, the uh, person in the Duncan Keith hat made a face when Greg said, oh, I didn't let me do the, the money line and the under. Because I thought you could do that. So, as you see in that video, I go to my points bet app, <laughs> and I go to the, the the Bears game. I didn't, I didn't select. Uh, I, I wasn't paying that much attention because I was still trying to listen. So I went to the Bears game in my phone, and said, "Oh, money line, and the under bet." So I placed that bet. It went through, and I was just like, "Huh, that's interesting." So. When the game happened and the the over under that I placed was at uh, 41 and a half, they won 21 to 20 over the Cleveland Browns. And I thought, hey, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good little uh, little chunk of, uh, of gas money here for, uh, for for myself. So I went to my points bet app over the last few days and I realized that that bet hadn't gone into my account yet. It hadn't been processed as a winning. So today I was just like, this is weird. So I did the, the live chat with PointsBet, a great, uh, useful tool. If you have any questions, you can live chat with someone with PointsBet and they'll help you out, as this person did. And I said, hey, I have a bet that I placed on a, on a Bears game that hasn't been processed yet. The game's been over for a couple of days. So I go through the whole thing. I give them you know, the ticket number, all this stuff. So they come back and they say, well, this this bet will be processed when the game finishes. And I said, the game was last weekend. And they said, this game takes place on September 11th. And I said, what? And I look. Oh. <laughs> it is... <laughs> it is Bears Niners. That I bet the money line and the under at 41 and a half oh, on. Man. <laughs> so, so you ass, my dumbass has the pick of the week for the next game. Oh. No, we are going with the family. Chicago Bears and the under against the 49ers. In week one. All right, definitely fade Mario. Well, we still have another week to come oh, up with another God. bet. So, next week we can pick the over and the Niners, and then you know, no matter which one yeah. you take, you're probably gonna win. Uh, Lawrence, I noticed we did not pull the video of me guaranteeing a Sky victory yesterday. Ah, yes. Uh, no, uh, but uh, I, I am 1-0 and when I wear the CSGO Sky t-shirt. So When you and Kevin wear it at the same time. Yeah. The same time. Yes. It's adorable. All Sorry, right, by the way, I, I had to leave in the middle of your story because I was, I was going to do the uh, Timmy trumpet sound for the end of the cut. Ah, of course. Oh, okay. Of course. I see how yeah. sure we stand on the totem pole. That's fine. Mm. Um, anyway... Uh, we're late. The show should have been over long ago, uh, but we have gone a week now without acknowledging this. Uh, former Blackhawks head coach, head coach Orville Tessier passed away last Thursday uh, on the 25th. He is one of the few to win a Memorial, a Calder, and a Stanley Cup. Very interesting. That's impressive. I obviously don't have any recollection of Orville Tessier as a coach, but I know he was known for his hot temper. They called him Mount Orville. Uh, and there's a quote here uh, from hockey beat writer, uh, the old Tribune writer, Neil Milbert said, Tessier cracked the whip. Yes, but he convinced the players that they were winners. Uh, so rest in peace, Orville Tessier. Sorry, it's taken us this long to get to it, but it's just been a crazy last week of August. 
I don't know if that's <laughs> possible, but it was. Yeah, yeah. So T- T- Tessier had a famous quote, real quick. Uh, it was in uh, one of those 80s, 1980s series against Edmonton, you know, where Wayne Gretzky just waved his stick and scored nine goals in a game where he had said that his entire team was in need of a heart transplant after that effort. So he definitely <laughs> – uh, he uh, wasn't afraid to speak his mind, the old fiery Mount Tessier. But so, yes, our condolences to his friends and family uh, after, after learning about his passing. Just a great name, by the way. Orville Tessier. It's a hockey. I mean, come on. You see that yeah. name and you go, that guy's got to be a hockey coach, right? Yeah. Like, there's what else? Orville back in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's him and Redenbacher. Those are the most two famous, right? <laughs> True. Orville draft. <laughs> it's gonna be a short draft mario you got the third pick damn it <laughs> i think there's a tv show called yeah the orville, the orville. Yeah. there you go there you go all right thanks everybody uh jb see your comment in the chat we appreciate that dude and everybody with all their kind words we appreciate it good time to remind you make sure you're subscribed on all the podcast apps make sure you like the youtube video make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel and if you're feeling feisty a five-star apple podcast review would be very, very appreciated. We're back tomorrow, audio only, recording in the morning. So look for us around 12, 1230, somewhere in that window. And then I will be next week in Disney World. Ooh. So it'll be Greg and Mario solo. I'll be back for Friday's show. I know, Mario, you're in on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I will be uh, I will be also taking uh, some time off on Wednesday yeah, so and Thursday of next fan, week. If you are not a fan of my stylings, next week might not be for you. Who, <laughs> would, who would not be a fan of your stylings? Uh, you'd be surprised. We'll just do Blackhawks <laughs> trivia for me. I'll, I'll just fail. Oh, that'd be fun. You should bring the trivia yeah, show to the we, uh, we got, YouTube. I got, I, some fun, uh, I got some fun. I got some. I got some things planned well we'll get more into that next week when i get some details uh Will there be cake? out but uh <laughs> more more cake well that wasn't up to me you'll have to send a message to stacy for more cake there could like be cake. more cake done all right we'll talk to you all tomorrow uh yeah that's it right we're done thanks well, yeah. for listening that's to our show yeah the chgo <laughs> blackhawks podcast we love y'all <laughs>